2020. Is it the worst year ever? Huh? What do we think? It's been, it's been interesting. So let's reflect back at some of what you may have seen or read in the headlines. So in no specific order, the year 2020 has given us the death of Kobe Bryant. Pandemic has spread around the world. Riots throughout the United States. Murder hornets appeared and seemingly disappeared. Earthquakes rocked Mexico City and Puerto Rico. The United Kingdom left the European Union. Locusts swarmed Asia. Did you know that? They had a problem with locusts and they killed them by the millions. COVID-19 was in 2020. I don't know if you remember that one. There was a wildfire in Australia. Killed billions of an- a billion animals, they estimate. Ebola was back in Africa. There were radiation leaks in Russia. There's volcano sharks. We have the Tiger King saga. And the election. 2020 has really brought a lot to us, seemingly making it the worst year ever. I remind you of these things. Some are kind of funny. I mean, Murder Hornets, Tiger King, I don't know. 2020 was out there. But I remind you of these in our world's recent history, not to point a finger at you and tell you that wearing a mask is not all that bad, but I'm trying to create a little perspective. What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on all of the events going on around us and feeling dread and weariness creeping in? Are we experiencing 2020 and letting that fear begin to control us? I remind you of all of these things that have happened to people, to us, to encourage you that time will pass. And things will go back to normal, whatever that may be. And I want to point you away from the world and point you towards something much better. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever ran. I mean, I know you have as a kid, like playing games and at recess in your backyard. There's some like Joe who is loves to run long distances, and I think that's a little crazy. Uh, but have you ever ran? Anybody? 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 Have you ever seen someone run and you're like, what are you thinking? Have you ever seen someone running when it's like zero negative 50 degrees outside and they're out there in shorts and you're like dude uh uh-uh you know there's a group of people we call them marathon runners they train to run long distances for whatever reason and they train to run more than 26 miles 26 miles is from this church building to the south side of garrett It's a long way to run. I don't want to do it. I don't think so, no. But um, there is a man who loves to run, and he set the unofficial world record 
for running a marathon. And his time, believe it or not, was one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. I can't imagine running for two hours straight, let alone running 26 miles in two hours. That's an average of 13 miles an hour. So for comparison, according to Runner's World magazine, the average human being can run a mile in 10 minutes and 48 seconds. And I have a little video for us to watch to show what the comparison is between me and this guy. His name is, oh, I turned my page. His name is Eliud Kipchoge. He's from Kenya. He set the world record. Let's take a look at what he and I would look like, me being a a regular person. something like that for two hours would be be almost impossible. It's it's unreal that somebody did that. It's right up there with with your big sprint, except towards the end, you're on that, that treadmill or that rolling belt. There's no stopping. So you have to keep going. There's no way you can just bail give up on yourself. I'm still sweating. Heart rate's still pounding. I've I've probably been off of it for like two or three minutes now. Because I just wanted to take up the challenge of running, not being in my tennis shoes, and so gave it a shot. I was just trying to move my arms so fast so my feet can turn over fast as well. That was a lot of hard work, so I can't imagine the type of practice that you put in to get that done. The guy, two people before me fell, and uh, I was worried that was actually going to happen to me. Get up 
All right. <clears throat> so this guy, Eliud, he ran an average of four minutes and 38 seconds per mile. We just saw people trying to do that, and most of them said hello to the treadmill with their face. Uh, I would be up there with him. I will readily admit that. Um, but when he accomplished this, when Eliud, however you say his last name, did it, he, he trained for it for a long time. And when he did it, he had a team of 41 pace setters run with him. These 41 people took turns running to keep Eliud going at his pace. I would not be I would not be part of that 41 at all. But he couldn't do it on his own. They kept him going. And in long distance running, there's a phenomenon known as a dopamine dip. There's this chemical in our brain that just slows production and the runner loses all their motivation and they just want to give up and quit. And to combat this dip, Runners have calculated and figured out when they get this emotion that they're just, they can't do it. Their body's tired, the pain sets in, they want to give up. And so they have started placing friends and family members on the race course at these locations. And they start cheering them on and clapping and hooting and hollering. And all of a sudden, the runner, they can do it. The chemical fires back in, and they can keep going at their at Eliud's pace, which is crazy. But you know, it's pretty cool how God created our bodies. And we're the same way as these runners with our spiritual lives. In Hebrews, we have this passage of Scripture, and it reads, A huge cloud of witnesses is all around us. So let us throw off everything that stands in our way. Let us throw off any sin that holds on to us tightly. Let us keep running the race marked out for us. Let us keep looking to Jesus. He is the author of faith. He also makes it perfect. He paid no attention to the shame of the cross He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. Then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He put up with the attacks from sinners. So think about him, and then you won't get tired. You won't lose hope. In our lives, there are times when we are running along and everything just seems like it couldn't get any better. And then something happens, maybe something really minor, like a flat tire, you lock your keys in the car, maybe a child has a rough couple of days with their attitude. Maybe you're just too tired to wake up to pray or to read your Bible before your day begins. This is nothing serious, nothing really bad has happened, but it's enough to throw you off. You begin to waver just a little in your life, in your faith life. And you notice you feel different. But you continue with your daily routine and then someone will come and offer you something. It could be a cup of coffee. It could be 
to watch your kids. It could be anything. They pass on a passage of scripture and it lifts you. That spiritual dopamine kicks back in and suddenly you're not low anymore. You remember where your focus should be and not on yourself, but on Christ. Our faith dopamine, you know, really starts to kick back in and we're ready to continue running the race that scripture says is laid out before us. And it's interesting that the verses say, even before we should run with perseverance, which is to not give up, we should throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Why would the scripture say that? Why would the writer put that in there? So let's look back at our runner. Remember the video we watched? There were people trying to run. A lot of them had on ripped jeans, no shoes, socks, flip-flops, tight clothes. They were not prepared to run correctly. Remember the picture of Eliud. Um, It showed him at the end. He was wearing performance running shoes. He was wearing a running jersey and shorts, and he had a shaved head. He cast off everything that would hinder him or slow him down or prevent him from running the race. What does that mean for us? What do I have to cast off or you have to cast off? Perhaps a better question would be, what is preventing us from doing the things we know we need to do. Maybe it's our schedules. We may need to stop binge-watching Disney+, Plus, or we need to spend less time shopping or spend less extra time at work. Perhaps it's a bad habit of what we read or look at that we need to get rid of. What sins do we need to get rid of, to cast off, that are entangling us? What lies are we holding on to that are keeping us from doing what God wants us to do? Do you believe that you are not smart enough or know enough about the Bible or God to tell your friends, children, co-workers about him? Maybe you have bought into the lie that it's the pastor's job to tell everyone about Jesus. Or maybe you believe that you have done your part, you have told people about Jesus, and you had invited them to church, and you're done. While that is fantastic, if you have done that, I am confident that when Jesus gave the command to go, into the world to tell others about him, to teach about his love. He did not give a number. It would have been nice if he said, go tell, tell 12 people and that's it. I, I mean, I could have done that many times today and we'd be good. I wouldn't have to come back anymore. That's not what Jesus said. He, he said, go into all the world all of Angola, 
all of Walmart, all of Hobby Lobby, all of your family. Tell them about me. So if you are one like me that feel at times you are inadequate or unqualified to tell people about Jesus, this scripture is for you. You see, before we run a race, before we cast off these things that hinder us, Hebrew tells us, Hebrews tells us, we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. That's how our passage started out today. Right from the beginning, from the beginning of our faith life, we are not alone. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans are cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we are running. This great crowd, the pioneers who blazed the way, or these veterans, they are cheering us on. Remember our runner. Think about him nearing the finish line after running for two hours. His body is exhausted. His muscles ache. He just wants to be done. He wants to stop. And then a few hundred meters from the finish line, he enters the grandstand and hundreds and thousands of people begin to cheer him on and suddenly he feels lifted and energized and that there is something left in his tank. And then he finished the race. We, you, me, us all, are to be like that runner. We are supposed, we need to be both the runner and the crowd cheering others on. We need to run our faith race with confidence that not only are our friends and families cheering us on to finish the race we've started, but we can take confidence and know that Jesus himself began and finished this race. And he, Jesus, is cheering you on giving us the strength and encouragement that we need to not only finish the race, but to cross the finish line with our arms held high, proclaiming the victory. Scripture tells us what Jesus endured to be able to be our help. In verse 3 of this passage, we read, Jesus put up with attacks from sinners. In verse 2, it says he paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there. Jesus suffered on the cross. Because he was looking forward to the joy. He was looking forward to being reunited with his father to sit at the right hand of his throne, of God's throne. There's another question. Why are we running this faith race? Why are we being encouraged by Christ to continue 
this life full of strife, persecution, hardships? 2020? Why are we encouraged to lift each other up in prayer, to look at Christ as our example? Why do we do this? And the answer comes at the end of the book of Hebrews. In verse 28, it says, Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. God is not an indifferent bystander. Bystander. God is your number one fan. He is your number one supporter and encourager. He wants us. He wants you. He wants everyone to succeed more than anyone else. He wants this so much so that he sent Jesus from heaven to be born, to live, to die for us. He did that so we cannot so that we can run this faith race, but not only run it, but to finish it as a victor, is celebrating in his presence. What are we running towards? We are running towards Christ, towards God. We're running towards our Heavenly Father and our prize, if that's what you'd like to call it. It is the kingdom that God is creating here in us around us, and through us. It, this kingdom, is unshakable, undefeatable, and here to stay. 2020 has been a rough year. I think we can all agree on that. But God, He is on His throne. He's never left it. He's never taken a nap. He never took a break. No one has ever got to sit on it just for a few seconds. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Creator of all. And through all of the weird, scary, and strange headlines we've seen or read or heard in the last 11 months and eight days of 2020, God is doing something. He's not sitting back and watching a reality show getting some kicks out of us. He is moving us. He is moving the world toward the way it is supposed to be. The way God planned it to be all along. We may be living through some difficult times, but God is still God. Have you ever watched Bob Ross? I have. I used to sit down on Saturday mornings with my paper and my crayons, and I would draw what he was painting, and they looked nothing alike. But I enjoyed it. Made my happy little trees, my happy little birds. Everything was good. But Bob Ross, he would start out with a blank canvas, right? And he would have this image in his mind of what he wanted to be there. I couldn't see it. If you've watched him, you couldn't see it until the end. But stroke by stroke, collar by collar, tool by tool, we began to see this incredible 
painting. God is the same way. He is creating in us and through us and around us a kingdom where he is recognized by all as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We only see a single bristle stroke of a single brush stroke from thousands of bristles and from thousands of brush strokes. We don't see the whole picture yet. We can see what has already been created. But only God can see what he's doing, what he is creating. Only he can see the whole picture. And so as this worst year ever comes to an end, we need to do two things. One, we need to remember. We need to remember that God is God. Nothing we can do can control him. We don't even fully understand God. But we also need to remember he is on his holy throne forever reigning. And Jesus is with him at his right hand, cheering us on, encouraging us to continue our faith race towards God so we can join him. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives us freely to give us that extra oomph we need when we're tired, sick, lonely, discouraged, feeling desperate. God is God. The second thing we need to do to fully obey this passage of Scripture, we need to show our thanks. Verse 28 says, And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. We need to continually keep our eyes open for what God is doing in our lives and be thankful, grateful, and in full awe, worship him. And to to do this, I'm encouraging you to open your Bibles, physical paper Bible, or on your phone. I have like 12 of them on my phone, to the book of Psalms. And this week, I want you to begin your days, or at some point in your day, by reading a psalm of praise. So that we recognize God and we give him what he is due. And to help you with this, on Gateway's social media pages, each day we will put a psalm. It'll have the reference, it'll have the whole passage there. It may have the link, you just click on it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, wahoo, through internet magic, it's there. We want you to start worshiping God by praising Him. And to do that, we're going to practice together right now. So I'm going to ask you to stay seated, but I'm also going to ask you to read out loud with me this passage of Scripture from Psalm chapter 145. 
I lift you high in praise, my God, O my King, and I bless your name into eternity. I'll bless you every day and keep it up from now to eternity. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs on your wonders. Your marvelous doings are headline news. I could write a book full of details of your greatness. The fame of your goodness spreads across the country. Your righteousness on everyone's lips. God is all mercy and grace. Not quick to anger is rich in love. God is good to one and all. Everything he does is suffused with grace. Creation creatures applaud you, God. Your holy people bless you. They talk about the glories of your rule. They exclaim over your splendor, letting the world know of your power for good, the lavish splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom eternal. You never get voted out of office. God always does what he says and is gracious in everything he does. God gives a hand to those down on their luck, gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. All eyes are on you expectant. You give them their meals on time. Generous to a fault, you lavish your favor on all creatures. Everything God does is right. The trademark on all his works is love. God's there listening for all who pray, for all who pray and mean it. He does what's best for those who fear him, hears them call out and saves them. God sticks by all who love him, but it's all over for those who don't. My mouth is filled with God's praise. Let everything living bless him. Bless his holy name from now to eternity. Those are fantastic words, just praising God. There's going to be passages similar to that one we're going to put out there. I just want you to read them. Read them out loud. Read them to yourself. But I want you to own them. I want you to mean them. 2020 has been an unusual year with all of its happenings. But one thing has not changed, nor ever will. That is God reigns supreme. He always will. Nothing surprises him. He will reign forever and ever, and he is worthy of our praise, and we need to offer it to him. We need to praise him as often as we breathe. Because he 
is worthy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being who you are. An eternal, unchanging God who loves us so much that you have given us everything we need to be with you. You are a God that loves us so much you sent your Son to be our sacrifice so we can call you Father, Daddy. You love us so much that Jesus came and ran the same race we are running right now. And we thank you for being our number one supporter, for being our strength when we are weak, for giving us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us when we stumble and to help us to overcome the things that cause us to stumble. Daddy, we thank you for creating a kingdom, your kingdom, your unshakable, undefeatable kingdom in us, around us, and through us. We ask you to continue to build in us so we are more like Christ every day. Help us to see things in our life that we need to cast off, to get rid of, so we can run our faith race. We want to run this race, not to give up near the end, but to finish with our arms stretched high and celebrating and worshiping you. You are such an incredible, never-ending, not fully understandable God. And we thank you. We praise you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. There are three letters I want us to remember today. A, B, C. If you have something you want to cast off, something that is entangling you, that is preventing you from running the race God wants you to run. I want you to do letter A. And you can do this online as well. The A is just to admit that there's something in your life keeping you from running that faith race. There's something causing your faith dopamine to fall and you want to give up admit that to jesus give it to him and then i want you to do letter b b is to believe that jesus is god's son believe that jesus came to die for you he came to take the sins from you so that you don't have to run this race with it. And see, choose to live your life for God. A, B, C. I want you to remember that. You can admit, believe, and choose. God, there's people that have stuff in their life. I want you to take it from us. 
Take it from us so that we can run the race you have for us. Remind us of ABC whenever you point something out in our lives that keep us from being close to you, that keep us from celebrating the victory at the end of our race. Take what we have to admit and fill it with more of your love. Amen. In the back of our sanctuary, we have our little box to collect our tithes and offerings in. We also can accept those uh, through the app, the Church Center app, or uh, through texting, or through our webpage. I want you all to have a God-filled, super-blessed week. I'm praying for you, and I love you all. I want you to go and praise him. I'll see you later. You can go.